0: Welcome to The Owl Hoot, a podcast for the environmentally curious with me Caroline Norbury. On each episode I chat with a guest who contributes in some way to protecting the planet on matters of climate change, sustainability, biodiversity and pollution. Here is a place where you can gain new knowledge and be inspired. Enjoy listening. Wayne Bexton is the Director of Environment and Sustainability at Nottingham City Council. The city has set an ambitious target to be carbon neutral by 2028, and is claiming to be the UK's greenest core city, having achieved a 58% reduction in carbon emissions per capita since 2005. With a 20 year career covering a variety of environmental roles, Wayne is well placed to lead in driving green change within the city. I'm delighted to have him on the podcast to share the strategies, success stories, and difficulties in meeting the current environmental challenges whilst supporting local people. Welcome Wayne to the podcast.
1: Hi Carolyn, great to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yes, and me too. So just to get us going and to give a bit of a sense of who you are, I can see that you've had this long career. Not to make you feel too old, <laughs> um, but they're in and around the environment area. What was it about your background that led you to have a career in this sort of environmental realm?
1: Yeah, I a mean, really good question, and I guess uh, yeah, it starts out for me, Caroline, really with with having um, with family. So both both my um, sets of grandparents were were farmers. Um, and, and so coming from a farming background that, that uh, very early interest in, in nature and the natural environment was, uh, was embedded and, and from then on really just anything from an environmental perspective I was passionate about um, and that led me on to an environmental degree as you can imagine and I think the, the kind of other impact on people was also a key driver for me. Uh, and and yeah, you, you can see the rest really as it led into firstly, uh, an advisor in the in the private sector advising big business on how they could limit their impact on the environment or, or improve their impact and certainly comply with legislative requirements. And then into the public sector. Uh, I've been in the public sector probably uh, 20, nearly 20 years now, so and that's been around working to deliver those outputs for residents but make sure that sustainable practices were being led by the, the public sector wherever I've done that. So, yeah, really kind of a journey and, and always wanted to work and, and deliver on, on my passion and, and ultimately make a difference.
0: And that's interesting that you've chosen the public sector as the main area in which you've worked within. Why is that?
1: I think that is genuinely the ability to have that uh, far-reaching impact, those social outcomes in particular. My, uh, the key for me, and this is something that I, I regularly uh, try and uh, reinforce with my teams, is that the environmental agenda, carbon neutral agenda, can have many, many impacts on a real wide portfolio of uh, agendas. So, for instance if you were looking at retrofit of properties, which we're doing extensively in Nottingham and also across the Midlands, where where I also have a, a remit through our Midlands Net Zero Hub, there are knock-on consequences that we're starting to see on the public purse elsewhere. So when we're improving homes, making them more efficient, making them warmer, what we've found through looking at data from GPs is that those people living in those properties are much less likely to present adopters uh, with respiratory issues for instance or or illness related to a cold home. So for me it was a real uh, that for me is the light bulb moment where I think actually using work in the public sector you can join those portfolios to have a real uh, wide-ranging impact and I think that's what I'm all about innovating uh, and trying to have as bigger impact as possible on on the environment uh, but ultimately on people's lives.
0: That's interesting, you've drawn all those in, and I'm curious that you uh, have seen the public sector as a way to to have a real broad approach. Uh, Because I always imagine, having never been working in the public sector, that you get perhaps put in a box and never never get out of your box. But it's good to hear that it's not (laughs) like that. (laughs) Um, Tell me a bit about your role currently.
1: Yeah, so I'm currently Director of Environment and Sustainability um, at Nottingham. I also have two other hats. So I'm the Senior Responsible Officer uh, for the Midlands Net Zero Hub. And there's five Net Zero Hubs in England and and we cover Welsh border to East Coast. So a a huge remit and a a programme funded via government. And I'm also Chair of the D2N2 Low Carbon Board as well. So the Derbyshire, Derby, Nottinghamshire, Nottingham uh, Local Enterprise Partnership Low Carbon Board, which, again, based on our, our, our kind of last remarks, is all around joining again the public and private sector to have as big an impact as as possible, Caroline. So that's that's quite exciting. So I've got those three hats. Obviously, my primary function is, is Director of Environment Sustainability at, at Nottingham City Council, and I've got a, a whole load of services and functions under. Uh, under my remit. So everything from the practical frontline delivery, so district heating, uh, to our carbon neutral policy teams and and work across that, uh, to our uh, work on utilities, and and uh, we're managing all the utilities accounts uh, for the city council and the city council's partners. Um, And then a whole load, again, of proactive innovative schemes, retrofitting of properties delivering of things like battery storage solar pv we manage over 15,000 energy assets across the city um, and so lots happening all under that bigger umbrella of of carbon neutrality um and working to achieve that but also lots of lots of different practice mixed in whether it's statutory functions that we have to deliver or whether it's it's uh activity that we do with other authorities where we may provide our expertise so they can they can benefit so yeah a lot happening in in nottingham carolina a lot on my a lot on my plate if you like
0: yes that is somewhat broad and huge quite scary <laughs> amount to be covering and i already feel like this conversation could be the next three hours however i'm going to keep it tight tell me then <laughs> within all that you have this very ambitious you talked about carbon neutrality there you have this ambitious target 2028 and that's not that far away. And you've got all that going on. How on earth are you prioritising? And mm. are these are these the easy wins? Are these the things that are going to get you over the line? Tell me a little bit about that, please.
1: Yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head really, Carol. A really ambitious target, but rightly so. So Nottingham set the ambition of being carbon neutral by 2028. That's a citywide ambition, not just a council ambition. And the council is only responsible for—it's actually responsible for just under three percent of the emissions of the city. So a very relative small amount. So we've really got to influence, be a policy lead, and deliver big projects to make that happen. But we've gone with that ambitious target because we are the leading city in the UK for carbon reduction. So we've already seen a fifty-eight percent reduction in CO2 emissions against a two thousand and five baseline, which is incredible. Really great strides taken, but absolutely a low low hanging fruit has been uh, utilised to get us to that position and we probably now need to see significant step change to get us to that marker of of 2028. I think the real, I guess the real plus in that, Caroline, is we've we've done this on the back of some science-based work, so we've got our carbon neutral charter which people can look up online. Uh, and then we've put in place a, a roadmap to get us there. So we've got a 270 point action plan and those actions are monitored on a, on a quarterly basis for how we're going to achieve carbon neutrality. And we use a platform called Climate View, which is brilliant because, one uh, again, another passion of mine is carbon uh, reduction is often seen as just that. Stop doing things, reduce things. And it's difficult to get everybody to buy into that. The climate view platform does the opposite. So it takes some of those reduce and reduction items and it puts them into building blocks. And suddenly you get a positive spin on actually we're trying to work towards something and it steps forward as opposed to reducing. And that's quite a nice way of selling it to everybody because this is this is about everybody in the city and and achieving something quite, quite significant and, and Nottingham. Uh, not just in the UK, but if we hit 2028, we'll be the the first city to do so in in Europe as well. Copenhagen were looking at 2025. Um, they've since, due to issues outside their control, said no, we're not going to achieve that. Um, and so, so Nottingham's really got an opportunity to to make its mark and build on some real green credentials from the past, if you like. Nottingham's always been a a leader on sustainability, and we've we've galvanised that in in recent uh, recent times i think the step changes we'll need they generally fall into into kind of three broad areas with other bits bolted on but there's domestic we know domestic emissions are significant we're we're rolling out retrofit now using as much grant and private finance as we possibly can to uh, thousands of properties in Nottingham, so that's got to continue and it's really, really important that that gathers pace as opposed to stays the same, so that's key. The other is commercial, so where we've got businesses, big businesses operating in the city, and I'm pleased to say we've had over 60 big businesses Um, sign up to our we support CN28 making up their commitment to carbon neutrality by 2028 as well and they can display that a bit like a a food hygiene banner if you like to say we're on we're we're working with the the council to make this happen so those emissions from commercial really really key and of course transport and transport emissions we've done a huge amount in the city we've got the tram we've got e-scooters we're looking at real connectivity around sustainable transport and Pedestrianisation of certain small isolated areas, and despite that, emissions have stayed pretty static from transport. So we know we're hoping we're going to see quite a shift as all those uh, all that investment comes comes to bear fruit. And we've got wireless taxi charging, lots of pilots. We've delivered a UK first vehicle to grid fleet charging model, which is really tremendously exciting. That's a, a one megawatt battery that sits at our Eastcroft depot. All of our vehicles there have gone electric, all of our, our fleet vehicles have gone electric. When they come in at the end of the day, they plug into bi-directional charges and it decharges the batteries. So they typically still have 20, 30% charge in the batteries. That goes into that central battery, which has been topped up by a solar across the, the depot throughout the day. That battery trades with grid. And then the vehicles charge up again through the night when it's cheapest to do so and that kind of model is really building resilience from the the grid itself and, and giving us that ability to offset costs but also deliver something that has a, a real knock on impact on on emissions so lots of innovations going on lots of lots of uh, work to be done uh, across those three pillars um, but yeah tremendously, tremendously exciting and, and obviously we're we're really proud to be leading that charge.
0: As you've as you've said, there is a lot going on there, and those I, I like the fact that you broke those those sections down uh, into the, the residential, commercial, and the transport. You need to be collaborating a lot with lots of different people, businesses, individuals, house owners. How how do you as sort of catalyze change from you obviously are doing so and I'm wondering how you've managed to get because nobody wants to be told to do something differently particularly if it might be more expensive so how are you getting that buy-in and that collaboration
1: yeah really good question Caroline and you're absolutely right and what what I generally again another message I try to put out there is we don't want to stop people doing things but we want to make the choices more sustainable so actually they've got a choice that that is a sustainable option for doing what they want to do and that's obviously not always possible we want to make sure it is as possible as 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 we can in in the coming months and years a couple of things we do and and have had a real impact one is we have a citywide partnership called the green theme partnership um and purposely we have a, a a business leader from the city who chairs that we coordinate it. We have businesses, the universities, community groups, and they come together on that green theme partnership with that ambition around carbon neutrality. Uh, and they all report from different organisations, different area of the cities, uh, different areas of the city how how they're getting on and how that's been achieved. So that's so valuable in getting buy-in and, and that cross-sector thinking, bringing expertise in from from different quarters. But then what we've also done is we appreciate we can't reach every every community with groups and think, you know, people have obviously, you know, maybe busy or uh, this might not be a particular interest. What we want to do is reach out and ensure we engage with people in that way. And we've done a number of things on that basis. But probably the, the thing that's having the biggest impact is we've got an app. It's Green Rewards app. And basically, if people take sustainable choices and they log it on their app, they can win prizes um and that is vouchers from businesses across the city who are, who are signed up on our we support or or travel vouchers or vouchers for you know theatre or whatever it may be uh, and they can log those on the green rewards app league table people can see what impact the choices they're having are making and that's been a real visual tool that's get, gathering momentum it's up for an award actually in, in a few uh, in a couple of months and we've done it not just in nottingham again because we realize i think that you know, the, the boundaries, the city boundaries, kind of immaterial in, in some respects. So this is across Nottinghamshire. So all the districts and boroughs are signed up and we'd love it to go further afield as well as a green rewards app people can really, really get on board and engage with. And then lots of comms out there. So our messaging, we did a, a consultation around the Broadmarsh. People know the old shopping centre, thankfully demolished. Um, and the, the big message that came back the number one message from thousands of responses was that people want a green space in the city centre. And I, I'm pleased to say that's going to happen. So I have a green heart in the middle of Nottingham uh, that's going to replace what was the old Broadmarsh site it's coming together now works ongoing and people see it if they come in via the train station and that's going to be that green space and I think it's a bit of a game changer really and I think people through Covid probably appreciated green space more but green space linked to the corridors of green space giving that connectivity allowing us to make sure nature can thrive even in a city setting but also the messages and the education that will give when people come to the city or when um when kids act you know coming into the city and see this green space i think it's just the right type of message that we can we can be giving out so the plan is that engagement carries on we we're trying to get as much of that messaging out there as we possibly can and obviously the council have got uh got an ambition that's front and center so we'll, we'll keep uh keep pushing that as much as possible
0: that sounds really exciting and uh, I love an app, and, and most people love an app, don't know how many apps can we possibly have. Um, so, so that's a good way of definitely communicating. And I think you raise a, a very useful and interesting point there about the green space. This journey that we have to go on to get our carbon emissions down. It doesn't have to all always be about what we what you know, a new life that's more difficult or more expensive it has winds and those green spaces are one of those winds and a nicer place to live in that's better for your health and I've tried that in with the transport issue because obviously transport is difficult within a city and you sound like you've come at it from very many different angles how do you reduce those carbon emissions from vehicles and get people to see that actually it's going to be a nicer place to be in are you there? Are you getting there? Where do you see yourself in that?
1: It's it's very, yeah, it's very difficult. And the the technology needs to be there, doesn't it? So we've been rolling out charging infrastructure across Nottingham and the wider D20, actually, uh, as far as connectivity, and trying to remove those blockers. We know we have vehicles coming into the city for a load of different reasons. And we've got our, and we don't shy away from that. We've We've got our new Broadmarsh car park. It is a new car park. But we've got the uh, greatest number of chargers, EV chargers in any car park in the UK, purposely so. So about, around about 100 of the bays are dedicated to EV charging. And we know that's kind of building for the demand of the future because they're not all currently utilised. And we've got one of the biggest solar PV arrays. It's a solar farm on the roof, basically. There's no other way to describe it. And that's that's powering the the asset. So we've tried to ensure, and this is something else we're always doing, any decision we take as a council, we have carbon considerations at the top table. So you normally have your finance, your procurement, your legal, all those standard, what would you consider when making a decision? And now at that top table, and rightly so, we have carbon and environmental considerations as well. So anything we do uh, in the city, we have to know the impact. Doesn't mean to say we're not going to do it, but we'd absolutely then be able to offset it and deliver that offsetting. So something like a car park space is exactly that. From a transport perspective, it, it's it's a huge challenge because those EVs have got to become affordable. We need to have the ability to, to people who need those vehicles to use them. Public transport obviously our priority. That did take a little bit of a hit through COVID, if I'm honest, Carolyn. So there was a nervousness for, for obvious reasons. Uh, and that's now back to getting back up to where it needs to be, albeit people are still settling in with new habits and new ways of... Of operating with a hybrid working or other, so we're just ensuring any changes we make will have the desired impact on people being able to uh, use the tram, uh, access the train station into into Nottingham, cycle or walk where appropriate, e-scooter where appropriate, and all those changes, those kind of kind of evolution that move to something new, takes time to bed into into that city centre environment, but it's having a good impact, air quality we're monitoring very closely. So obviously we're looking at, at, at CO2 in particular, but then we are looking at air quality and obviously transport is is the biggest contributor to that. So really, really key that we uh, we, we tackle that in the right way and we report that through our CM 28 board as well. Uh, so by no means are we there but I think we are taking the strides and where we can't move because of financial issues or, you know, we've just not got the EVs, the uptake of EVs isn't where it needs to be. then we, we take that lobbying position, and say, as a city, we've set an ambition that's far ahead of the government's position for the, for the country, uh, which is fine, but actually enable us to do that because we think we've got the solutions to deliver and cities are going to be key to this um, and making that happen across the UK.
0: As well as the electrification, and obviously you're investing heavily in public transport, are you hoping that there's still a fair bit of less traffic, aside from the public transport, going to go into, you can see less traffic going into Nottingham? Yeah, I think so. And it's a a
1: balancing act, I guess, with uh, economic regeneration as well. So, and again, this is something else we we play out in the planning forum, and we, we now have a CN28 carbon neutral 2028 pre-planning panel which is made up of experts across the city universities others um who sit on that panel and almost give a uh, give scrutiny to any decisions we take and we want the city to thrive so we can't obviously cut off those journeys that, that make it thrive but equally we've got to make sure there's options for people to to take that that bring them into the city so i think it's from from our perspective is trying to move the policy in the right way not making any knee-jerk decisions and monitoring very closely the data that's telling us yeah you're going in the right direction or the data can always say no you need to do something different you know you there's more cars on the road than we want to see we were the we're still the only and this is this is terrific the only place to have a workplace parking levy and that's really about generates so that generates huge sums of, of funding that go back into the tram and other sustainable transport options. And he's trying to encourage encourage people to think about different ways of travelling. So obviously there's a levy there and that that is that is that is paid into the city council.
0: Who pays for the levy? How does it work?
1: So workplace parking levy and, and my transport colleagues would would share in, in great much greater detail but it's essentially it is what it says on the tin really if you come into parking the city centre there's a charge for those those businesses who have those those spaces um and that comes back into the council and is utilized for uh, as i say the tram and, and others so it, it works quite it's it works quite effectively but it can be quite contentious because obviously people don't want to discourage businesses in the city and thankfully that's the big barrier and thankfully, we've found that that's not happened in Nottingham. In fact, quite the counter. of what we're seeing is businesses who have sustainability at their heart or who want to be more sustainable are really embracing it. And and again, something we think we can turn the tide on is or have steers as an opportunity is Nottingham being a, a real uh, real hub for those businesses who, who work in that low carbon economy space um, and that workplace parking levy is part of that so actually they'll embrace it if they see the bigger picture then the communication etc cetera, etc cetera, is really key on that
0: it seems curious to me that it has had a fair bit of press attention that particular levy because yeah. it was so you know so wide and a really good ambitious project why is it do you think that other cities have not taken that up yeah i
1: think it i think it literally is that fear. i think there's some fear around the scale of the implementation so you've got to you've got to have the <clears throat> the ambition to do it and you've got to have the the kind of local political support to do it which which might not be the case i think that there is that fear so are we going to push businesses away are we going to are we going to kind of um, impact how the city can thrive the the economic impact etc and and i think the by and large, the answer is no, look, that's not going to happen. Other cities are looking at it and they're coming to us for support on that, Caroline. So by and large, they would, you know, the answer is no, you know, mm-hmm. people will will accept and, and acknowledge, but of course, up front, they may say, no, we don't want to see that for, for the, you know, the, again, all the obvious reasons of of not wanting to pay out so I think it's it's just around taking that leap of faith and, and having that that leadership to say no look this is the right thing to do and actually it gives an investment pot that can then go into making other choices for those staff or whoever it may be to get into the city much easier more straightforward and, and hopefully work better so that's that's the key that's the big message is you know this will make other other options much easier
0: yeah, and I can imagine we are going to get to a point where businesses are going to want to sell their green credentials to mm. future employees and yeah. their customers, and this is a great way of them saying, "Well, actually, we put money into the public transport within our city." I think yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've you've come at the right time, and I think other other cities should be looking at anything that that brings all those things together. It seems like a really good project. Yeah that's it. yeah
1: abso- absolutely yeah definitely and, it, and it's one of those it's one of the facets of uh, and, and I'm sure listeners will be familiar with it but the Kate Rorath donut economics principles and and you kind of look at the different slices of that um of that those kind of principles and it just takes it just takes you a step back from everything being financial prosperity and actually a prosperous city is built on not just finances, but, you know, a whole donut of of different, um, different components. And and that kind of approach where I say, look, people are gonna contribute, but actually look at the impact that this can have. And the, the impact's really important. So the council's got to deliver and its partners have got to deliver on making that happen. But actually if the impact is delivered, then it makes that just so sensible. And, and it's just getting those messages. And I think it's taking people on that journey to understand what the uh, what the future can look like from a from a city perspective
0: absolutely now you mentioned b- buildings a bit earlier retrofit is one of the many things that you're obviously having to approach is that more of a difficult area for decarbonization because buildings are also very different how how are you grappling with that problematic mm, area yeah
1: yeah 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 really really challenging so we the first thing you've got to I guess the first thing you've got to understand in uh, from a retrofit angle is is the properties you've got so typically in Nottingham we've got around 10 archetypes of of property and and they as you can imagine the older ones and, and tend to be the leakier ones or the, the hardest to treat. So you need a deep retrofit model there, but then some properties may have, so if, for instance, we've got 6,000 solar PV installations. I've got 5,000 properties on the district heating network. So some of those, they may need a lighter touch from a retrofit uh, perspective to get them up to standard. So understanding the housing stock across the city is, is really key. But then delivering on that retrofit is is challenging. So those hardest to treat properties you could spend and we've we've spent or, or seen spend of up to 70,000 pounds per property to get it to a standard that we need it to be, which is unsustainable. And the only way we can do it from a council perspective is to bring in government grant to do that, um, which we are doing green homes grants, social housing decarbonisation fund, sustainable Warmth competition, the the, the list of Of names and acronyms goes on so we're bringing a lot of grants in the city to make that happen but it is challenging what we need to do is have a consistency and a long-term yes it's going to happen so all those names I just mentioned the government funding regimes they've got short timelines and so the market the supply chains never mature never bring prices down because they've got no guarantee that it's going to carry on so if we say, no, look, this is for the long term, this is going to carry on, the funding is going to continue to come in. Straight away, you'd see prices drop and reduce. And I think that's that's a big message that we've given back to government to say, look, that's what needs to happen. We need a consistency to enable the market prices to shift in the right way. But what you would get to, Caroline, if you got those prices in half or slightly less than half, um, you get to a place where it made sense to invest because you get a payback. Your energy bills would be down. If it's a housing association property, actually the cost of maintenance would come right down because you could deliver that deep retrofit up front and not have to do anything else for another 25 years because all your interventions would have warranties and it would be sustainable long-term. Whereas what we do at the moment, which is typical maintenance, roof replacement, Whatever insulate, whatever it may be, windows, all kind of spaced out. If you do it up front, you can make big savings. And obviously, the, the impact on carbon is huge. But what we're finding is where we're delivering this and we're, de- we're delivering thousands, um, and we've got a pipeline of, as I say, quite a significant number still to go what we're finding is as i mentioned at the start healths improved people have a pride of place so if their properties are improved then it's it's a kind of i'm going to improve my garden and and there's a there's a neighborhood feel that's that's much more advantageous the look of the properties is improved uh, so all those things we probably don't consider in the business case at the outset we get all these added benefits that come along and what we've got to do is ensure we have the the model across private housing rented and, and obviously social housing so we have gone into areas where we've we've perhaps only had the the social housing that we're able to tackle and what we need to do is make sure we've got a private offer as well so that's really important we're going to a neighborhood and do the work while we're there it makes no sense to do work on certain properties then come back for other properties when a certain funding regime allows so that's really key as we go in and tackle a, a whole area as we're doing it. But yeah, the successes are great. hugely challenging, uh, tens of thousands of properties to go. Uh, but when you when you get it right and you see the successes and you're putting in air source heat pumps that really work well and the testimonials from the residents are fantastic and you know it, it's great to see. And and it is ramping up, but it is a, a hugely challenging area, particularly as people work from home more, and and obviously there's been a, a kind of shift in how people. Uh, do perceive the home if it's hybrid working. So we're having to really manage those emissions.
0: I think that one of the things that you draw out there is that if you can get this investment, the long-term is so much Mm. better. And I guess that's across everything that we do in society, isn't it? If we're firefighting all the time, we, we just keep after firefighting. But if we actually take the time and put that, make it right we don't have to worry about it for quite a long time uh, but yeah, there, that absolutely. is that is the challenge you face I imagine on a daily basis
1: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and it, and its prices you know when you when you look at those costs and that's because contractors the supply chain it's unfamiliar territory but actually if we make it the mainstream and say look we're going to do and and the the models brilliant so we we external wall insulation solar pv air source heat pumps We have often an energy unit per, say, 20 properties. That means if you're generating solar down the street and they're not using it, up the street, they need the power, they can use it. So just those energy flows, reducing the demand on grid, smart monitors so people can see exactly what they're using in a really intuitive way, not this. And again, smart meters are another issue, aren't smart A different smart meter depending on who who your your utility provider is that's kind of out of the, you know, we, we go with a smart monitor that, that's fit for all and we'll digest that information and give the... So all that kind of model, it's great. The residents love it. It's an improved improved look, uh, big impact. And of course, there's a cost there, but those costs can come down. It's much like solar PV, uh, Caroline. So solar PV benefited from the feeding tariff subsidy, which made it viable for people to deliver solar PV. They get a payback in about uh four or five years say roughly say on a three kilowatt peak system for, for uh through the feed-in tariff regime but cost stayed high now when the subsidy ultimately was pulled there was a fear and it stayed the cost of solar pv stayed high for a little while but the market followed ultimately because the technology was proven and the the cost of PV, solar pv now is down to where you don't need subsidy and you'd still, given current electricity prices, get a payback on your investment in four or five years. So suddenly, if you're staying in a property for anything longer, it makes sense to, to, to take that approach. And that's really key for me, that we absolutely need subsidy upfront to prove a technology. Once it's proven, it can drop away and the market will follow. And retrofit's the same. That whole retrofit approach is, is yeah, really, really key
0: and can you see the 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 acceleration within communities because it is one of especially something like solar vv oh they've got they've got solar on their roof can you see that within nottingham's mm. communities that that is starting to escalate
1: yeah definitely people and, and it, people are talking about it and that that's the the best way of getting messages out there and so we've not just done it so people talk about it on people's homes and obviously we then get a lot of contact from people who are keen and and we can kind of make that happen if it if they fit the, the criteria for, for whether it's solar PV or retrofit or something different, energy efficiency, external wall insulation. But also what we're doing is where we've got community hubs. So a number of our leisure centres, we've uh, put solar carports on the car parks. So solar panels on stilts, double use of the site. Cars can park under them, so actually people... Get it. If it's raining, they get out of the car and they're not, you know, not getting wet. They get the kids out of the car. So it's kind of dual benefit. But it's, a, it's a, a double use of that car park space. So it's a talking point as well. So people come in see the, that big solar carport. Oh, this is great. Those might speak to someone in the might speak to someone in the leisure centre um, who will say, yeah, this is power in the centre and this is how it works. So that educational piece and people just kind of getting a, a feel for how these things can work is really, really key.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you have this ambitious target that you're obviously all these things are tied into. Where are you currently sitting? We're we're a few years away. You've got you've got time, <laughs> she says. Optimistically, got, I know,
1: I know, and we've got it. We absolutely keep optimistic, and we we've purposely as I, you know we've gone for that really ambitious target because we we were the leading core city. Most of the other core cities are around twenty thirty. They've put a target at twenty thirty. A couple of years later. Uh, the latest, very latest data, and this is the interesting thing about this, there's a two-year lag on the data for, again, lots of obvious reasons about compiling the information. We use government data sets. So the latest data we've had is from 2021, and that's showing us a, a 58% reduction per capita on our carbon emissions against the 2005 baseline. So we should be getting, we're looking for more and more data obviously we should be getting data early next year that'll tell us how we have got on up to 2022 so that you know that's kind of important that we get that information out there we won't know if we've achieved carbon neutrality in 2028 till 2030. so there's a slight you know there's a strange kind of uh, strange angle there but we are on track you know we are on track but we do need those step changes so we do need legislative change to help us we do need technological advancement to help us, so we need to see some big step change in order to achieve it. But absolutely, the city is galvanised to to power on towards that towards that um, really ambitious target. I'd love to be the first city in Europe to achieve that, uh, and we're collaborating. There, we you know I lo- I love putting the competitiveness out there because I think that can help fuel us getting there. But we are working with all our core city partners. We've been uh, we're on the carbon disclosure project A list, so the international A list for cities, and I think there's only 120 cities on there. So for Nottingham to be there is is truly remarkable and really really positive. And that's all based on on around uh, your what you're doing and how you're delivering and etc uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So yeah, lots of recognition, lots of collaboration, and acceptance that it's hugely challenging, but a real Pleasure and a kind of get a little bit of time to reflect that we've hit that 58% target, you know, that 58% figure, a long way to go. But we, yeah, we we all keep galvanized that we can achieve it.
0: It sounds, as I wrap this up, it sounds like you are really focused and you're really hopeful. Are your thoughts and feelings around climate change and sustainability in the environment? generally as a positive you feel positive about it where do you see we're looking at 2030 but where do you see it beyond 2030 2050 what are your thoughts and feelings of a future
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm always trying to be positive caroline obviously we we do see kind of you know some of the negative headlines some of the the big issues for me i just think this is absolutely the right, whatever, whatever kind of people's kind of political thoughts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, this is absolutely the way that we've we've got to go. The benefits of of moving and having cleaner air, of warmer homes, of you know, you look at some of the uh, some of the big issues recently around energy costs, preventing being reliant on on kind of providers, being more locally resilient to things like energy costs, having that green space that people can encounter. For me, there's just so many advantages. And I, and I think generally the public buy into that, that, that I'm positive about this, that, that people will see it's the right direction to go. Uh, and it can be in harmony with economic regeneration, uh, with with new buildings, you know, done in the right way. This can work really well. And it can, it can be a case of you know as i mentioned and really key for me it can be a case of not limiting options but people just being able to take the sustainable choice and and ensuring business and others come on board with that and realize that's what people expect so yeah ever positive caroline and and you know the the things we're delivering we we'll always encourage people to come into nottingham and give us their feedback uh, and let us know what they think
0: marvellous Wayne, you've got a job on your hands, but I absolutely look forward to hearing more about it. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to what's going on in Nottingham and uh, I wish you all the success in the future.
1: Thanks, Caroline, real pleasure. Take care.
0: Hearing from Wayne about Nottingham's approach to attaining their ambitious 2028 carbon neutral target was illuminating and hopeful. In addition to having a plan, there are plenty of projects on the go, covering transport buildings and energy generation. I got a real sense of reach into all aspects of everyday life within the city, and it was great to hear how they are collaborating with other community stakeholders. Making big societal changes requires everyone to be part of the transition. You can find a link to the carbon neutral plan in the show notes. In producing this episode, I'd like to thank Andy Shaw for audio editing Jeremy Jones for providing the music and to you for listening. Don't forget you can follow the podcast to get automatic access to each new episode and it would be lovely if you could rate, review and share it too. It really helps. Until next time, bye for now.